Hi, welcome to the first session of this Medical Ethics Podcast. I'm Javeria. And I'm Keji. Together we are leading this podcast and hope to broaden your knowledge on medical ethics. So to reinforce what I previously talked about in the introductory sessions, there are four pillars of medical ethics. The first medical ethics pillar is autonomy, which is the ability to make decisions freely. So no patient can be forced to undergo any treatment against their will, and the doctor must always gain consent. The next pillar is beneficence. This means encouraging what is best for the patient, so the doctor must always act in the patient's best interest. And the next medical ethics pillar is non-maleficence. The doctor must do no harm to the patient, whether it's intentional or through negligence. And the final pillar is justice. The doctor must always act in accordance with the law, the patient's individual rights, and sometimes the general societal conventions. Now that Keji has summed up the four pillars of medical ethics, we'll now move on to the session. Our first main topic that we'll be talking about is ethics in clinical practice. And in specific, we'll be talking about doctor-patient relationships. Doctor-patient relationships include many aspects they need to be adhered to, and these can be summed up in the acronym GATHER. So the G would stand for greet the patients. A would stand for ask about their complaints. T, tell them about various alternatives available. H, help the patient in in decision-making. E, explain the use of intervention. R, plan patients' return visits. An important thing to remember is that the doctor should avoid skeptical talks, false hopes, hopeless outlooks, and losing temper while communicating with patients. There are also four other values that must be embodied as a doctor, and these are respect, confidentiality and privacy, professional honesty, and trust. So in terms of respect, the doctor must respect the patient regardless of the patient's attitude and background. He or she must not comment on the patient's lifestyle, culture, beliefs, race, colour, gender, etc. The next value to keep in mind is confidentiality and privacy. The doctor is responsible for keeping the patient's information confidential at all times, unless there is a serious or imminent danger in doing so. The next one is about professional honesty. This is about the doctor knowing the limits of his or her own competence and when to refer the patient to another doctor. There's nothing shameful about not knowing the solution to a medical problem and it's really dangerous to fake competence or pretend to know it all. And lastly, trust. Trust is essential between the doctor and a patient. The best protection for doctor and patient is healthy professional boundaries. And ways of maintaining these professional boundaries include knowing only relevant personal details of a patient while taking a medical history, explaining sensitive examinations before carrying them out, providing privacy with screens for undressing, examination, draping, or dressing along with support persons, avoiding words, actions, or jokes that are sexually demeaning or embarrassing, and arranging non-urgent appointments at odd hours. There are four different types of relationships between a doctor and a patient. These are a paternalistic relationship, a mutuality relationship, consumerist relationship, and a default relationship. So in a paternalistic relationship, the doctor is more dominant and acts as a parent figure who decides what is best for the patient's best interest. A relationship of mutuality is characterised by the active involvement of patients as more equal partners in the consultation and has been described as a meeting between experts, so both parties bring 
basically what they have to the table. The doctor brings their clinical skills and knowledge and the patient brings their own like best interests and um, share their ideas and belief systems. A consumerist relationship describes a situation in which power relationships are reversed. So the patient takes the active role and the doctor adopts quite a passive role, um, acceding to the patient's requests for a second opinion or referrals to hospital and so on. Lastly, there is a default relationship, which can occur if patients continue to adopt a passive role, even when the doctor reduces some of their control with the consultation, therefore lacking sufficient direction. This can arise if patients are not aware of the alternatives to a passive patient role or are timid in adopting a more participative relationship. That's all for today. We hope you have learned about the role of a doctor when communicating with a patient and the important values they need to show when doing so. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.